listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to pro-life activism from creation to death. This is the program that is intended for all those involved in the struggle to build a culture of life in the United States. We try to cover here for you topics of interest, breaking news, all the things that are going on weekly to keep you up to date on what is happening in the pro-life movement and what you can do in your sphere of things to promote the pro-life and to promote the saving of lives, particularly the lives in the womb. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to ask you to say a Hail Mary with me to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all involved in today's program so that our discussion will lead us to the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea, whenever you, you can, to start your day with that Hail Mary and call upon Mary for the help, not only at the beginning of the day, but every time you're starting a major new activity during the day. Ask her to shower God's graces on what you are doing. And she is a very faithful mother and will answer the prayers that you have for her. And so we, we remember that and we call on Mary to, uh, to assist us. Today is also a very special day in the calendar of the Catholic Church. It is the feast of the um, most sacred, or the solemnity of the most sacred heart of Jesus. It's the day we commemorate the love that Jesus gives to us through his most sacred heart. And in a uh, statement uh, that Jesus made to St. Margaret Mary, uh, he said the following, and this is a quote. He said, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment of their lives. We have an insurance policy, and, and you know many of us who, who went to Catholic school, and particularly Catholic grade school, there was always an emphasis uh, in the Catholic grade schools of making those nine first Fridays, okay, to... to the first Friday of each month for nine consecutive months uh, to invoke this this promise of our Lord. And I know in, in, in some cases that has fallen away. In, in other cases, you know, there is a lot more people going to, uh, to public schools, especially as Catholic grade schools around the nation um, tend to, to have closed. Uh, but it's something we, we need to remember, and, and it's part of life. You know, we, we talk about this being a culture of life. Well, you know, what could be more of a culture of life than gaining eternal salvation, of being with God forever? in heaven. I mean, this is a part of life that 
we strive for. And Christ has promised us that if we will make the nine first Fridays, so nine first Fridays by, de by the definition of the church is the first Friday of the month for nine consecutive months. Now, you can't take a month off here and there and make it up at the end. It's got to be nine consecutive months. And if you're lucky enough to go to a Catholic school, then in many cases, the school will you know, facilitate the first Fridays. That the problem comes that, that when, when this happens, very often the school is in session for only eight of the nine Fridays. And so you either have to do the ninth one on your own, make sure you get to, to Mass on that ninth Friday, or on the first Friday, depending on where in the year your, your school system falls. Even your Catholic school systems you know, will very often only cover eight of the first Friday. So you, you have to take an effort. And through your parents to take an effort to do these nine first Fridays. But if you do, Christ has made this promise to you. Remember, the, the quote is, I promise you, okay? Not, oh, it, it could happen, right? Christ said, I promise you, right, to grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months, right? Can be any nine, right? You can start any time, but it has to be nine months consecutively on first Fridays. And it's not just going to mass, it is receiving communion. And that's where the promise comes in. But this is a major promise that we want to make sure that, you know, with, with all of the changes that are going on um, in the church through the centuries and, and through the decades in the 19th and 20th centuries, this promise is still there. And we just want to start our show today by calling your attention to this, by calling your attention to the fact that there is a promise from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God the Father. There is a promise here. Nine consecutive First Friday Masses where you receive communion invokes the promise, right? the promise that you shall not die in my, my meaning God, in, in Jesus's, you shall not die in Jesus's disgrace, nor without receiving the sacraments. And my divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. There's a promise. There's a promise from God, okay? A promise from God that anyone listening to this program can take advantage of. If you happen to be living in a nursing home and you have not yet made the first Fridays, the nine first Fridays, then you will have you know, a priest visiting and talk to the priest about it. And see if you can't get arrangements so that you will be able to make these nine first Fridays. It's a, it's a life, it's an eternity that we're talking about here. You know, there are a lot of things that we do and don't do during life. But the nine first Fridays are something that we should take care of as early as we can. I was fortunate enough myself to go to a Catholic grade school and to... And on, in, in the Catholic grade school on the first Friday of every month as part of the day, the planned day, was always going to Mass and receiving Jesus in communion once people were old enough to, to receive, once you reached the age at which you could receive in communion. That's not going to happen in kindergarten, okay? But uh, once you reach that age, 
there's always that opportunity. But as I said, you know, if you invariably, they only covered eight of them because that was the school year. And so you had to make sure that you covered the ninth one, uh, either by starting a month early or by ending the uh, after the school had closed by going to the next first Friday. Um, but it's important and it's important that you do it. And I don't care what age you are, if you have not yet done it, today is the day to start your planning. And it, do, it can start any month. It doesn't have to be January through September or any other you know, specific months, as long as there are nine consecutive months. It is a way that you can, through the help of Jesus Christ, almost assure that you're going to escape hell. Now, just going to the nine first Friday masses and then living a life of sin the rest of your life uh, doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. Okay, it's it's not that kind of a guarantee. But um, the the idea is, if you're going to nine first Friday masses, then you ought to uh, have a basis for your life, a basis that is built on Christ. And if you in your in your past you know that you've gone to your first Friday masses, but have drifted away from the church, now's a good time to come back, right? Now's a good time to return. The, the, you know, Christ has made this promise, okay? And, and you know, so we, we need to remember that we have this. Everybody has this. Every Catholic, okay, has this promise from Jesus, and it is something that we should focus on. It's something we should surely pass on to our children and to our grandchildren. We need to let everybody know that Christ is there and that Christ is willing to help. Okay. And of course, this today, you know, in in addition to to you know, calling your attention to that um, promise of the nine first Fridays, we also want to talk about the fact that uh, today is the feast of the most sacred heart of Jesus, okay? Um, my mother, uh, who has long since died, she, um, my, my mother was devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus. So I grew up with the sacred heart of Jesus. There were pictures around the house. There was, she lived that faith, right? Uh, it was a consolation to all of us right, to understand the importance of the sacred heart of Jesus, which is the, actually the feast that we celebrate today. Right? The institution of the feast was a result of appearances of our Lord to St. Margaret Mary in the year 1675. And then out of that grew a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. Uh, and then in 1856, um, almost 200 years later, the celebration of the Feast of the Sacred Heart was extended to the general calendar of the church by Pope Pius IX. And it has been on the calendar of the church ever since. And of course, today is the feast, the celebration of the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And we ought to remember that. And we ought to remember that, that Jesus is offering through his Sacred Heart our salvation. We know he died for us on the cross, but you remember the last act on the cross, the soldier pierced the heart of Jesus 
the tradition on, on in, in crucifixions up to that time and, and still after that time was breaking the legs. You know, the the soldier would break the legs of the um, person who was hung to to be sure that they were dead because if they didn't react to the breaking of the of of the legs, then then they were dead. Okay, in Jesus's case, they didn't break his legs. The soldier instead took a lance and put a lance through his body into his heart. And you will remember that what came out was a very little bit of blood and then fluid, indicating that he had given all for us. And so this is the feast of the Sacred Heart. It is a feast in which we celebrate God's love for us, that he poured out of his heart everything he had on the cross. There was nothing left. And that was a symbolism of, of what the soldier did in terms of piercing the heart and getting the last drops of blood along with nothing else, just other fluid. He poured it all out for us. And today around the world, we celebrate the sacred heart of Jesus. And we should be building our confidence in the sacred heart of Jesus. And we should be taking the steps necessary to assure that the gifts of the Sacred Heart of Jesus are there for us to take. Today's world, people seem to forget about the impact of this feast. They seem to forget about the fact that there is a promise from Jesus for anyone who will make the nine first, I'm sorry, yeah, the nine first Fridays, for anyone who will make the nine consecutive first Fridays. Right, Jesus says to St. Margaret Mary, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that all my powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge. In this last moment, it is something we, we need to grab onto. And if you have not yet in your life, listeners, made the nine consecutive first Fridays going to and the nine consecutive first Fridays consist of going to mass and receiving Holy Communion. Both of those things going to mass and then at the mass receiving Holy Communion. If you have not that yet done that in your life, please, please. Start scheduling it starting on the next first Friday. Get it done, right? It is, you know, I, you hate when you're talking about this to put it in, 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 in secular terms. But, but let me tell you, it is a great insurance policy, if I may use those words. Nine first Fridays, nine days spread over nine months. Go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, and God promises that you will not die in his disgrace nor without receiving the sacraments, and that his divine heart will be the, your safe refuge in the last moment. It is something, as we talk about all the secular things we're going to be talking about uh, over the course of the next few minutes um, in this program, it is the one message today that I wish that you would all take from this program. If you have already made the nine first Fridays and you have already gone to Mass, received communion nine first Fridays in a row, thank God. 
Thank God for you. Thank God for whoever it was that got you to receive them. If it happened when you were young and it were your parents, then God bless your parents. If you know of children in your family, if you're a, if you're a parent and you know that there are some of your children who have not received Jesus on nine consecutive Fridays, nine consecutive first Fridays at Mass, do what you can to make that happen. Even if your children are in their 30s or 40s or 50s, it's not too late. See that it will happen. And if you're, if you're the parents of young children being brought up in the faith, then understand the importance of these nine First Fridays. Right? The promise that Jesus has made, which is a promise right, of everlasting life if you will only do it and do it piously. Like I said, you can't make the nine first Fridays and then go out and, and you know, c- c- commit all kinds of sin and expect to be saved. But, you know, God promises you the sacraments. If you've done the nine first Fridays, he promises you the opportunity, right? Even if you are in sin now, in deep sin, mortal sin, God promises you the, if you've made the first Fridays, God promises you the opportunity to go to confession. He said, you shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving the sacraments. And of course, the sacrament here is the sacrament. One of the sacraments is the sacrament of, of penance, of confession. You will have that last opportunity to confess your sins, to be sorry for your sins. Now, you may waste that time. You may be so bad at that time in your life that, that it doesn't hit you that you have to make a good confession. Those are all things between you and your God and your faith, but the promise is there. So if you're an adult and you're not sure if you've made the first nine Fridays, then make them. If you're a parent and you're raising children, then put that on their priority list. Now, you have to go to Mass and receive communion. So we're not talking about three, four, five-year-olds. They haven't received their communion yet, so they can't receive communion. So it's, it's great for them to go to Mass. I'm not telling you don't take them to Mass, right? but they can't fulfill the whole thing until after they've received their first communion. So we're talking about children in elementary school and children in high school. Right. Put it on your list if you're a parent. You've got to get your kids to the first nine Friday masses, nine consecutive. Right? They can be you know, any month to any month as long as it's nine consecutive months that you're going to mass and receiving Holy Communion. And that's the message today. That's the message from the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which we celebrate in the church today. Okay, on, on that encouraging note i'm going to move to some less encouraging developments within the pro-life community this week it has not been the greatest week in the in in in, in the world for for pro-life uh, happenings but we, we'll uh, we'll let you know about them and we'll let you know what's happening and and it's not all bad but uh some of it is and uh you know that's that's why we 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 know we need to pray we need to continually pray for the lives of our children in the womb and the lives of our parents and grandparents. Let's start out with the old, great, wonderful Supreme Court who did it again this week. Okay. I don't know. It's, it, you know, we, we know that the Supreme Court has four 
very liberal justices who think completely opposite from what we think. We know that. Right? We know that the chief justice of the Supreme Court is an enigma. He was When he was put in, he, it was thought that he was going to be a conservative voice. Um, he has turned out to not consistently be a conservative voice and more and more uh, taking positions that are against what we would consider to be conservative positions. Uh, and then we have the other four members of the Supreme Court, two of whom have been appointed um, by President Trump, who we had great hopes for. And there, there was a little break this week. OK, so um, the, the, the break this week, OK, had to, to come in uh, cases involving lesbian, gay, bisexual individuals um, seeking protection of the court uh, and seeking to be declared a protected entities under the court, right? And and the, the Supreme Court unfortunately did not fail them. They have failed the rest of us um, in declaring and in taking a law that says that in hiring people, in employing people, you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. Okay. Now, clearly, when the law was written. And when the Supreme Court, you know, confirmed that that law, um, the law was written, meaning you can't be discriminated against if you're a man or a woman. Right. If you're a male or a female, that was sex back then. You know, there are two sexes. There are males and females. OK. And, and so that's how the law was written. But the Supreme Court this week said, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. In addition to the male or female classifications, they said if you're a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, those are your sex identifications. You can't be discriminated against either. OK. And they just opened the doors wide, just absolutely opened the doors wide to all kinds of, of potential problems, all kinds of, of, of you know, potential um, misuse of the law and of the um, People trying to to use this decision to force their agenda on the rest of it. It was a six to three decision of the Supreme Court. Okay, um, not only not only did uh, uh, Roberts go along with the liberals, okay, um, but so did Neil Gorsuch, and he went along with the liberals. Okay. Um, so, so it has raised questions, okay? It has changed, quote, unquote, everything, okay? What does that mean? You can't be discriminated against. Does that mean, and all these questions I'm going to ask, they haven't been authoritatively answered yet. They, they were not addressed by the court. But does this mean that Catholic seminaries have to allow women to be seminarians? Or would that be considered, you know, a violation of the law to not allow women to be seminarians or even to be priests. Is that a violation now of the United States law? It's not been answered. The Supreme Court didn't address that. Okay. Um, you know, do, do orders of nuns have to allow lesbians to join? Okay. Well, how about males who identify as women? Right. Are they, in fact, allowed to, must be allowed to join various organizations? OK, uh, all of this is now going to play out over this this decision of the Supreme Court this week, the six to three decision of the Supreme Court. And so we, we need to to really take this into consideration. We really need to understand what is going on at the Supreme Court.
And we really need to, to pray for the impact on this of our society. Uh, now, there is another Supreme Court decision that we're waiting for that is to come down this um, session of the Supreme Court, and that is on the Louisiana abortionist regulations. Right? Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, has put regulations in place in terms of abortionists needing to have admitting privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of the abortion facility. And this is a case that was heard by the Supreme Court. Um, the, the public hearing took place over the phone because of the pandemic that's going on. Uh, and it, it really, you know, court watchers are not sure how the court is going to come down on this. Um, as to whether or not uh, you know the the court is is going to be able to say that yes, you can put in a regulation that um, you abor abortionists have to have admitting privileges at local hospitals to handle uh, any problems that go on, and uh, we don't know what the what the decision is normally. We could tell you that the decision would be down by the end of June because that's when the Supreme Court. Um, session ends and so therefore the decision will be uh handed down next week uh one there's an announced set of announcements at the beginning of the week there's a set of announcements at the end of the week uh and, and we could you know just sit here and tell you you'll find out next week but uh there is speculation that because the supreme court closed down their operations for a few weeks due to the coronavirus that they might in fact extend this session into july and so it may be the first or second week of July before we know the answer to the Louisiana abortion case. That's that's what they're looking at. They're looking at the Louisiana abortion law that says that abortionists must have admitting privileges at a local hospital, local being defined as less than 30 miles from the abortion facility. So we're going to be watching that and waiting that and maybe next Friday we'll be able to talk about that. Uh, we'll have to see uh, what's going on. But that's the Supreme Court. Um, you know, what's going on there this week, one very bad decision and one decision that, that really has, has yet to come down. Uh, so, so all of that, is, we, will, we will be watching very closely. Okay, I just want to take a you know, very short uh, time to just remind you that my name is Jim Sedlak, and you are listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on RadioMaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. And we thank you for, for joining us and, and listening to this show. Okay, there's, there's other things that are going on uh, this week. Uh, there is a, uh, the survivors. There's a group called Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust, um, headed uh, by Jeff White um, and Cheryl Conrad. Um, and, and they are out in California and they are starting an effort this week, actually next week, but over this weekend and then starting next week, um, out in California at the University of California in San Francisco uh, to demonstrate and educate on the fact that the, uh, that the university um, in California is uh, in San Francisco um, is, how, how, how do I say this to, to a audience, is basically... Um, taking babies and chopping them up, getting their body parts, right? And, and then selling off the body parts uh, or using the body parts if they use them themselves there uh, for experimentation, okay? They, they are essentially harvesting fetal organs, okay? And they do live dismemberment abortions, and they do born-alive abortions, all these kinds of things as part of their work, if you will, 
at the University of uh, California in San Francisco, UCSF. Okay, and the survivors of the abortion holocaust, in partnership with Pro Life San Francisco, are creating a plan of action to right, to show churches and individuals ways to be part of bringing this evil to an end. The uh, Jeff White, who is the leader of survivors of the abortion holocaust, has said we must get Congress to act to stop the government funding and encouragement of fetal organ harvesting. We must confront the University of California Board of Regents and expose their complicity in the deaths of these innocents. And so all of this is, is, is being done. There's a lot of activity that you're going to be hearing about, uh, hopefully in, in, in the media, in the mainstream media, but definitely in pro-life press uh, over the next few weeks about all of this activity that is going on in San Francisco, headed by pro-life San Francisco and survivors of the abortion holocaust, which is also headquartered in the state of California, right, calling attention to this. Okay, and they are getting broad-based support uh, from from pro-lifers all across the country, and they just uh, just are heartbroken over this fetal harvesting, and they want to put a stop to this. And so, uh, when you hear this anywhere, especially starting next week, you should be hearing it in the pro-life news. Know what it's about, and if you want to uh, to follow what's going on, go to the website of Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust. Or go to the website of Pro-Life San Francisco, and these are the two groups that are leading this effort out there, and uh, you'll, you'll find out what's going on and, and what's happening. And as long as we're talking about San, uh, California, we want to bring to your attention uh, something that, that's been going on for, for a while. This is not new news, but there have been developments now that have brought it out over the course of the last few months, um, and and to know what's going on, okay? Um, there, there, is, there has been a plot afoot secretly behind the scenes to force all the churches and all of the pro-life groups and all of the pro-life colleges and religious institutions in California to pay for abortions, right? And, and if you live in California, right, your church may be part of that, and you may not know about it, and your pastor may not even know about it. And very quickly, without going through a, you know, a long, detailed um, explanation, here's how the deal went down. According to Alliance Defending Freedom, Alliance Defending Freedom is a group of lawyers who are representing um, institutions out in California fighting against what's happened out there. And they, they gave an explanation of, of how this all came about. And Jeremiah Gallus is the senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom who has been fighting on this. Okay. And, and here's what he says. He said, the deal went down like this. Abortion advocates upset that Catholic universities had been allowed consistent with their religious beliefs to exclude elective abortion coverage from their insurance plans, urged the Department of Health in California to quietly institute a major reinterpretation of the requirements of insurance in California, okay? They wanted them to do it quietly. And by quietly, they meant intentionally bypassing the democratic process in favor of what Planned Parenthood cheerfully proposed as, quote, an administrative solution in lieu of legislation. 
In other words, what they said is, why bother voters and legislators with these pesky details? And so what happened is the Department of Health contacted insurance providers to inform them of a new mandatory revision to insurance policy for churches and religious organizations that now requires them to provide immediate coverage of elective abortion. And the insurance providers were advised if the providers are concerned about how these religious groups might respond to these changes, the Department of Health said, don't tell them, just implement them. Right. That was it. That that was their advice. Just implement them. And so if you, in fact, have children in schools out in California, if, you, if you're a religious group in California, you may have an insurance policy right now that pays for abortions that you don't even know about. Right. This is sneaky business, but this is the way Planned Parenthood operates and other abortion providers operate. They just forced it in and they got the, the department of, of uh, the, the health department to, to mandate it. They got it to tell the insurers they had to add this into the policies. And oh, by the way, don't bother telling the people who are paying for their insurance. I mean, they don't need to know. Right. So that's what's going on out in California. Right. And you should become aware of it and 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 know what's what's happening out there. And, and the the legal group, as we said, um, that that is working out there on all of this is Alliance Defending Freedom. So um, if you want to find out more about it, go to Alliance Defending Freedom and, and, and uh, find out what's going on in California. Now, now, the scary thing, of course, is this is does not only have to be California. Right. They may be doing this in other states. Right? California is the one that was found out. California is the one where the legal action is right now. But people have to start checking their own states. Tell your, your religious institutions, your churches, your religious schools. Um, to tell them all you want to check. They should check your health insurance to see if they pay for abortions. Even if you know a year ago or two years ago they, they assured themselves that their insurance was not paying for abortions, it's time to go back and recheck because this is the kind of activity that's taken place by those who want to kill babies at any cost. And they're forcing the churches to pay without ever telling the churches that they were going to have to pay for it. Right? It just showed up. Okay? Um, it, it is just absolutely crazy the way these people work. And so we want to make sure that, that, that you are aware of this. Okay. There's a lot of talk in the United States about a pandemic, right? You have the coronavirus pandemic. And you've been hearing about it for months, right? That this coronavirus and all kinds of restrictions have been put on your lives and on your, your day-to-day activities because of this. Oh, you know, you know what, what's happened in, in your places. You know, stores have been closed down. Retail stores have been closed down. For the most part, uh, you know, large uh, grocery stores have been allowed to remain open. But uh, but the, the most of the retail stores have been closed down. In many places, although they're starting to reopen now, but in many places, you know, beauty salons, hair, you know, barber shops, um, all of these kinds of service um, institutions have also been closed down everything is is going down closing down because of this coronavirus okay well we want to you know we've taken a look at some numbers here and and uh, you know you may know um but as of now um there have been about 119,000 deaths in america from the covid19 which is the disease um that comes from the coronavirus okay um 118,000 deaths. That's a lot of deaths, 
okay, um, so far in, in this year, uh, and that was the number as of yesterday morning, uh, 119,000 deaths. That's a lot of deaths. Okay, um, we, we we checked on on well, what? How is that in terms of abortion deaths? Okay, so we went to 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 a source, which is the Guttmacher Institute, which is you know they used to be part of Planned Parenthood, now operates as an independent organization, but still beholding to Planned Parenthood. Uh, the Guttmacher Institute says there are about eight hundred sixty-two thousand deaths by abortion in the United States every year. So if we want to look at the first five months of this year. We find out that abortion killed 359,000 individuals. So the coronavirus has, has killed 119,000 during the first five months of the year. Um, and the abortions have killed 359,000. Okay. So the coronavirus is bad. I, I'm not trying to say here that the coronavirus is not bad. I'm just pointing out that abortions kill about as, three times as many people in the first five months of this year than the coronavirus did. Okay. Now, there has been another effort going on ever since the slaying by police officers of, of the, 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 the Mr. Flynn. Um, they, they, you know, there has been an uprising around the United States with protests and riots and stuff over racism. Right. And in fact, um, you know, there, there have been um, individuals and, and uh, people who, who have talked about uh, the racism, right, the pandemic of racism in uh, the United States. OK. Um, and, and has tried to equate that or get that used thinking about that uh, within the concept of the coronavirus pandemic to kind of pull people into, well, the word pandemic. Right. Um, and, and to try to pull people in and kind of identify it and get people upset about it. Um, and, and, and certainly the killing of any innocent human being, regardless of their race or color, uh, is wrong. Right. We should not be killing innocent human beings. That is absolutely correct. And of course, um, as we just pointed out, 359,000 innocent human beings have been killed through abortion while 119,000 died from from COVID-19. Right? But if you then look into that 359,000. You find out from reports from the Center of, Center of Disease Control, which doesn't have data for this year, but has data from 2017, which is close enough, um, that non-Hispanic black women accounted for 38% of all abortions. And that's a crazy number because non-Hispanic blacks are, are, are probably only about 12, 10 to 12% of the population, but they accounted for 38% of all abortions, okay? That means 136,000 black babies were intentionally murdered so far this year, all right? Is that racism? Well, you know, 136,000 out of 359,000 died from abortion, right? 38% of all abortions are there, right? To my mind, the, the deaths by abortion and particularly the deaths among the black community by abortion or, if you wish, the African-American community, um, th this is the great pandemic, right? You may have a pandemic with the, with the uh, coronavirus, but since these numbers on abortion are triple the numbers for the coronavirus, this has got to be the great pandemic. And we talk about the great pandemic and say, you know, we need to understand that. While the 
coronavirus is going on and why all the resources are being put in place to fight them, there is nothing going on. Well, I shouldn't say nothing because the pro-life movement is doing a tremendous amount of work. But in fact, according to the law, except for you know two or three exceptional states, abortions have continued. A lot of states, particularly places like California and New York and et cetera, you know, have in fact declared abortion as an essential service, right? Killing a child in the womb is an essential service. Planned Parenthood has been allowed to keep open most of their abortion facilities, not all, okay? Uh, state of Texas basically was able to shut them down um, from their abortion activities, right? Hooray for the state of Texas. There have been some other states that have been able to do it too, but they are clearly in the major minority of states. Um, but we just need to know that this great pandemic that is going on is, is not the coronavirus. It is not racism. Both of those are bad. I don't want to downplay any of those, but they pale in comparison with abortion. And people don't want to talk about abortion. People think abortion is, is somehow a private choice. You know, killing an innocent human being has become a private choice. That's what this radio show is all about. That is what the activities of organizations like American Life League and, and National Right to Life and Susan B. Anthony List, and I'm going to miss some of them because there are hundreds, even thousands of these organizations all across the country. But there are organizations dedicated to saving the lives of the babies who are being slaughtered. And all of this is, is going on. And we, we, uh, we need to know that. And we need to help those organizations, and I invite you to do that, uh, to, to you know, extend your help, either your personal help or financial help to all these organizations. But we're now getting to the point where all of this is coming to a head when we start talking about vaccines to stop the coronavirus or to prevent COVID-19, which is the disease, the development of vaccines. And unfortunately, in the rush to get vaccines, and there's, there's well over 100 different ones out there that are being uh, tested, that are being uh, proposed, um, that, that, you know, a lot of them use aborted fetal cell lines as a basis for the vaccine. And that is wrong. OK, we can't put up with that. We have to understand that there are ethical viruses, uh, uh, virus um, vaccines, and there are unethical virus vaccines. And what's being pushed is some of both. And we want to see only the ethical vaccines, the ones that are not made from aborted human beings, that are not made on those cells lines from aborted human beings. We want them to be approved here in the United States and around the world. And that is something that is, that is a problem. Uh, right now, uh, there is a major problem in a company called AstraZeneca. Uh, a drug maker headquartered in Cambridge, England, had uh, struck a deal with Europe's inclusive vaccine alliance to supply vaccines currently being tested at the University of Oxford to Germany, France, Italy, and the Netherlands. Okay? The problem is that AstraZeneca's vaccine, which is called AZD-1222, has been developed from a human embryonic kidney cells that were obtained through abortion. All right. So the AstraZeneca vaccines are derived from abortions, right? They are unethical vaccines. And this is the one that is being pushed right now in headlines that we've seen in the last week 
Right? It's time that, that we all spoke up about this. It's time that you let your members of Congress and everybody know that we do not want unethical vaccines. Um, if you, if you want to feel like if your type of wants to sign a petition, if you go to our American Life League website, which is simply all.org, go to our website. When you open up the front page on the right-hand side, top of the column, you'll see a place to click to sign the petition for only ethical vaccines. We invite you to go there, sign the petition. We've got to stop the, uh, the, uh, the spread of unethical vaccines, vaccines made from aborted baby tissue. And we've got to, uh, to promote only ethical vaccines. And there are a lot of ethical vaccines under, um, the, uh, under consideration, under testing. So um, as we wind down the program, go to all.org. Um, on the right-hand side, click on the vaccine box and then you can sign the petition for only ethical vaccines um we we uh, we, we hope that that uh, we we were you know giving you enough information that you know you want to go sign that we'll have more information on this on next week's show but we've covered uh, just about all we can in the time allotted for us here today uh we appreciate your listening in we hope that we've been informative um and we hope that uh, you you will go about spreading life in your community. We are a pro-life society. That's what we should be. And with your help, we can become one again. We close the show the way we always close the show, and that is by asking Mary, Mother of God, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you very much for listening.